Hi, I'm Liz Stokel. And I'm Debbie Rude. We're Dancing with Skeletons. We know what it's like to keep our past hidden away, like skeletons in a closet. We also know the healing that comes from acknowledging who we used to be and how much we've learned. So every once in a while, we dance with our skeletons. So come dance with us. Hi, Deb. Hi, Liz. How are you today? Well, I am all sweaty and gooey. That's awesome. Because I just, I just went to yoga. Yoga. Mm-hmm. Hot yoga. Hot. hot and it's yoga. really, really hot, sweaty yoga. So you still look gorgeous. Oh, thank My you. nephew, I think, goes there as well because okay. he's like, Aunt Liz, you need to come with me to yoga. Yeah, yeah, he said yeah. they just fixed their heaters and now it's really hot. Well, I said, oh, fabulous. Yeah, they fixed not only their heaters, but they've added, I guess they've added it. I don't remember it from before because they were shut down for a year. Yeah. But they've added humidity. Oh. And so I'm telling you what, I mean, I, I sweat like a man. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's just dripping off me and into my ears and bleh. Oh, so, but get it, rid of those toxins. It feels so good. Though. That's great. Yeah. Hey, it's episode 40. Oh, my goodness. I know. Wow. Episode 40. That's great. And, you know, if if you want to support us in what we're doing, you know, please reach out to us. And, we and love we'll, And we'd love to, to get your support. We um, both, Debbie and I, have Venmo at this point. That's what we have. But yes. we need to fit uh, put up a Patreon account yeah, to make yeah. sure that. But we would love it if you guys want to help us. Um, that would be awesome. Yep. Because we totally believe in what we're doing and we believe in giving people a safe space to scream and yell and dance with their skeletons. That's that's right. We we enjoy doing this every week. (laughs) It's cathartic for us. We don't need to pay for therapy. (laughs) No, we don't. (laughs) Well, happy 40th anniversary. Wow. And I'm going to, I have a birthday next week. I know Mm. you do. Yes, I do. I'm so excited about that. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Busy week. We're in yeah. choir starting back next week. I know. Week I know. A lot of stuff going on. I know. It's going to be a good, it's a good week. I think things are, boy, things are finally mm-hmm. kind of, you know, getting back to normal. Yeah, I just really hope are. more people, you know, I just hope more people get vaccinated and, and are me, not afraid of too. the vaccinations. And if you haven't been vaccinated, please continue to wear a mask. Yeah. And, and really consider you know, doing it. I mean, I know that there are people who have very strong reasons for not, and I support those people. I have friends who have very strong feelings about it. And, you know, but by and large, you know, the the science says that it's a safe thing to do. And and it's the only way that the world's going to really ever get back to (coughs) to, to being normal and being able to go to football games and all the things that we want to do. You know, I talked a couple of, um, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I talked about having a little mini kind of breakdown because I went to a restaurant to pick up some food. I remember that. And the entire street was just filled with people and there was live music and the restaurant was full and nobody was wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. And I had this little nervous breakdown because I didn't expect to be 
compacted and surrounded by people who just didn't care. So there I am in my little mask and no makeup and wearing shorts. And it was all, I just felt like I had just run in to get yeah. food. And now suddenly I'm standing in line and surrounded by people. And so um, it's one of our favorite restaurants, even though we were kind of grumpy with the way they were dealing with the whole I pandemic. Yeah, sure. So uh, we decided to get food from them last night for the first time since that incident and thought, you know what, they are a local mom and pop kind of restaurant. They're one of our favorites. We really do like them. So I called in an order mm-hmm. and we went down or I went down into Clovis to pick up my order. Mm-hmm. And there was a sign on the door that said, if you want to join us in our peaceful protest, feel free. Otherwise, feel free to not come in. So what they're saying is, we're not going to wear a mask. So this has been their stance for months now. Not just, I mean, the CDC just yesterday changed the guidelines. So thank you, CDC. Thank you for those people who are taking this seriously and have gotten us to a place where we can you know, have a, open up a little bit more. Right, that right. is fabulous. Right. But I would really rather that this particular restaurant, instead of making their stance sound so noble, like they're a part of a noble, peaceful protest, I would have rather they just put a sign on the door that said, we're not going to follow the rules, come in or don't. Right. You it's know? like it's like the homeless guy on the street. I just want some beer. <laughs> <laughs> Be honest about your, about what you're, what you're doing. So, that was a moment of disappointment, just mm-hmm. disappointment, because this is a place yeah. that is closed on Sundays, so that their family, so that their friends and families and their employees can worship with their families. They're very much a Christian organization. Well, not. I mean, they're not. You know, it's not like they yeah, put yeah, out yeah. pamphlets or anything like that. But, but the owners are. Are, are Christians and they support and many of the people who work there are in fact Christians and that's that's all fabulous um, and the way that they support the families is all very good but I struggle with that hypocrisy I do too Liz on the one hand you know we're we're gonna make everybody follow the laws of the land you know those immigrants can't come without illegal without their with papers the, with their, right. And they want them sent back if they fake their papers. But I saw a man give his card, his vaccine card, to another man outside of the Costco a couple of days ago. Give him his card and said, they don't check for ID, so you can go ahead and use my card. I saw this exchange. Now, I don't know where the man was going. Does Is Costco... No, it's, okay. it's not Costco. It's just that it happened that outside of okay. Costco, they okay. were exchanging this card. So there's also people who are selling fake um, vaccine cards online. I've... So we've got people who do not want immigrants to come over with fake papers, but are willing to get, get fake, fake vaccine pa- cards so that they can go travel. And so this is where I struggle is with this hypocrisy. Yeah, I, I agree. So yeah. we we decided, I think it was last week, that our our what we were going to talk today kind of centered around this kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I think I had made a comment to you <clears throat> that in the last maybe year or so, I have just had this kind of, this sense of kind of sadness and grief bubbling up inside of me that 
I've missed my life somehow. And what I mean by that is, is that only in the last couple years have I been practicing mindfulness things, doing meditation, doing yoga, doing things for myself that are healthy things that I can do. They're free, basically. Right. I don't right. need, you know, um, there's no drugs involved. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't need, it's it's just uh, when I, and when I say drugs, I mean, I, it, I was thinking when I was in yoga, gosh, what if instead of the the doctor prescribing somebody antidepressants, they just, they prescribe them to go to a yoga class yeah. or, you know, because these practices are so healthy and there's, they've, they've been so good for me. And what I have felt sad about is this idea that when I was immersed in Christian culture, those kinds of practices were considered of the devil. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of practices were considered evil. They were considered, you know, tapping into mysticism and, and such that was, you know, demonic. And that if you did that, you know, that, that, that those were bad things. And, and, I, and I feel angry about that because what I, I, if, there's a, if there's a devil, the devil is that lie that those things are evil because right. those things help people get healthy. Those people, those things help people tap in to themselves and, and get to know themselves and be able to hear their own thoughts. And, you know, it's like the church tries to keep people away from thinking. From thinking. And yes, I, I, I do feel like so much of the church in the, when we were coming up as young moms, here we are, young moms, young wives, who want nothing more than to be the very best mom and wife that we can be. Mm-hmm. And so we are allowing these this this culture to influence us and to tell us how to live right. and and what to think basically yeah, and, ha- and what not to think yeah and what to do and what to say and and all the things that abc if you if you live abc 1 2 3 then then everything's going to turn out great and for both you and i that is not the case no you know and i and i know i mean i think we've mentioned Proverbs 31 before, and there's this <laughs> passage in in the Bible about, you know, what it is to be a good wife, and she wakes up at three in the morning, and she, you know, milks the cows, and plants the crops, and harvests them herself. <laughs> and, and looks and, beautiful and, doing and, and, it. And looks beautiful doing it, always has her makeup on, you know, and... and what I think the, that old commercial was written about that, that uh, I can bring home the bacon, yeah. fry it up in a pan. I can bring home the bacon, <laughs> fry it up, up in, in a pan. <laughs> And look sexy the whole time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, yeah, I, I, I struggle with, with these ideas. I struggle with not so much the things that I taught my kids, but the, but maybe because I, when I think back about certain values that I tried to instill in my kids, I still would want to instill those values, but I would have done it differently. I wouldn't right. have been so in a box i would have 
help them to think more for themselves about some things instead of trying to tell them, well, this is what, you know. Yeah. And not I, teaching them that there's, that that this is the only way yeah. or that this is the only answer. Yeah. You know, um, one of the Proverbs says, raise a child up in the way he should go. And right. when he's old, he won't depart from it. So what you're taught as a Christian is as long as you teach your children scripture then, and as long as you take them to Sunday school, that they, when they're old, they are going to still be, uh, uh, you know, committed to God because you have raised them up right. in the way they should go. But that's a lie. It's a lie because because what it really is saying is raise him up according to his bent yeah. and he'll learn. Yeah. And I, like you, I'm so angry that I was taught that the formula and the box mm-hmm. was the answer. Me too, Liz. Me too. And it may, I mean, it just, I have this grief that's just been coming up I and and yet and this is the kind of the weird other side of that for me on Wednesday I got asked to sing at a graveside service mm-hmm. um, it was a really really sweet service I know the pastor I really actually like that pastor a lot every time I've heard him him talk okay I, I've liked him um, so I was asked to sing um, two old hymns how great thou art and Amazing Grace, and then Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Oh, So those were the three songs. And there weren't very many people out there, and it was outside. It was and an older person. It was a, she was in her 90s okay. who, who passed, and okay. she sounded like a lovely woman and all yeah. that. And so I, you know, I mean, I haven't looked at any of these songs in well over a year because I haven't sung at a funeral, and that's really the only place I sing those anymore. Right. So I, I start singing How Great Thou Art, and I can feel myself getting choked up. <laughs> yeah. Now, those of you listening, if you know that song, I mean, it is like very, very traditional Christian, you know, Baptist. I don't know if it's Baptist, but I mean, it's just, it's very old school Christian traditional right, hymn. right. And if I, you go into any retirement home oh, and and sit down at the piano and sing How it. Great Thou Art, everybody knows it. <laughs> everybody would know it. Yeah. And and I actually always, when I'm asked to sing something like that at a, if you, at a service like that, and if it's those kind of songs, and I look out there and there's older people, I'll ask them to join along because I know they'll know it. Of course. So they all start singing with me, you know, and I feel that I'm getting choked up. Right. You know, and it's like, because those things are beautiful, you know? I mean, some of those old traditional, even just the words, even though I don't even know if I believe it all anymore, right? it still moves me. Mm-hmm. Like, it still moves me to tears thinking about it and watching the people sing and watching the old, the lady who hired me, it was her mom who passed and it, She's crying and it's it's moving them, you know, and it's like I have a lot of really good connection to those things as as well as bad. Right. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. There's like this this weird juxtaposition of of being pissed off and being so happy that I have some of that. And I'm grateful to know the lyrics to how great yeah, thou art. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. yeah. And and how do I how do I work this out? You know, this whatever is going on in me out about it. I I it's 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 a process, and I'm definitely coming to a different place 
in what I what I believe. A lot of people in the faith movement who are having these kinds of thoughts mm-hmm. uh, are calling it deconstruction. Um, I saw somebody put out a video the other day that said, is it really deconstruction or is it destruction? Is the idea to destroy everything that has been built up mm-hmm. or is it, are we just deconstructing and then reconstructing, right. that, yeah. you know, yeah. which is it? Yeah. And, and he brought up some very good points And my first instinct is, yeah, it's destruction. I want to destroy it all. I want to tear (laughs) it all down, level it all, and start again. Mm -hmm. And and I want to do that not just for myself and my family, but for the sanity of the world. Mm -hmm. That's what I, you know, I want the... But but this is just this is just my experience <clears throat> and my perception. <laughs> right. And I certainly have no right to tell another person Absolutely. how to uh, build or rebuild their faith. Right. I, exactly. I just I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but uh, when I was a kid, I loved unicorns. Oh, I loved them. Yeah. I had zillions of them. I had these beautiful gold unicorn earrings and. And when I was probably, I don't know, 25, I threw it all away. Yeah. Because unicorns are bad. I couldn't have unicorns. And peace signs. Peace signs are bad, too. Right. Because they're, they're an upside-down crow's foot, and it's the mark of the devil. And, and <sighs> so these things that I grew up with that are like childhood things that I loved, you know, were all bad. Well, I have since... You know me. I love peace signs. I have them everywhere. I'm everywhere. So that's I have, right. I have since, you know, debunked that one in my head. And and, I, and that started a new collection of peace signs. They're everywhere, people. I have them everywhere. And so does my sister. We yeah. both are peace sign girls. But, yeah, just silly stuff like that that we were taught that is bad. Well, and the and interesting I, thing is, is over the past year, as we have, um, you know, thank God, so many of us have survived this pandemic. Yes. And I personally have lost friends, people that I loved, you know, a, a longtime actor and photographer here in town and a, a mentor, older woman that I loved and adored and a friend who had moved to another state. And, you know, these people that, that I just... Even though I didn't see them every day, they were a part yeah, of my world, sure. you know, and I'm devastated that I lost them. But over the course of this year, you see so many people. In fact, I just saw one at the gym this morning wearing a T-shirt that says faith over fear. And and we just keep pushing. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are saying we've got to have faith over fear. No masks, no vaccines, no this, no that, because we have faith over over fear. What about smart over dumb? (laughs) Or science (laughs) over dumb? Lies. You know, just lies. Science over bunk. But, But my point is, is that, you know, my whole Christian life has been about being afraid. Yeah. Being afraid of unicorns. Yeah. Afraid, you know, the satanic panic of the early 80s was a real it, thing. I know. And Satan was everywhere. And so we couldn't be involved. I mean, we've talked about it. We talked about, you know, Procter and Gamble and stuff, but we couldn't be involved in so many things yeah. Yeah. because it was opening our brain and our mind to Satan. Right. 
you know, everything from yoga to jazzercise. Right. You know, to certain foods, to going to certain places. When my mom was young, of course, it was all about movie theaters. You know, you couldn't go to a movie theater. Even into my early 20s. You know, there there was still a big push to keep Christians what, out of movies. What was the first, uh, how old were you when you saw your first movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? My parents, you, my parents who, you know, we even though we went to a church that was a little bit, that poo-pooed the idea. Um, were they we, closet movie watchers? They were closet movie watchers. But you know what? I think, and I wonder now, now as I'm saying this out loud, I wonder if this was their way of being rebellious. Because we went to drive-ins. Oh. And I believe that the first movie I ever saw was Speedway starring Elvis Presley. Oh, wow. At the drive-in theater, Sunnyside <laughs> Drive-In. You'll remember where that was, right? Yes, I do. And so uh, we went to see Speedway. How awesome. With Elvis. Elvis. And then as we got older, I mean, we continued to go to drive-ins and my dad used to take us to the pop shop and we would all get our sodas that we loved. And we would just pop that top just enough of that blue cream soda to just like sip it through the entire, you know, (laughs) we wouldn't open it all the way so the fizz wouldn't be completely gone. And we'd just sip it during the entire movie. So I wonder now, now now I'm curious, gosh, was that a choice to not be seen to be rebellious maybe, i don't know <laughs> maybe well we saw serpico at the drive-in theater oh wow yeah i don't i don't know that i ever saw that <laughs> i think we were too young to have seen it well i was gonna say i know the first movie that i ever saw and i know i was way too young and my mom took us to the drive-through i mean the first movie that i really remember uh-huh it was mash oh and I was like eight. Oh, or, interesting. You know, and I just remembered blood everywhere. Oh. Right? That's the first movie that I actually have recollection of. Yeah. So, you know, you well, you, we know that I didn't grow up in the Christian home. Right, 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 right. So my mom probably thought, yeah, I'll educate them on war when they're eight. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, I'm not I sure what it. my dad was thinking. My, mom, my my parents were divorced when my dad took us yeah. to Serpico, so I'm not exactly sure what yeah. that was all about. Well, and Maybe because you know, it was the number one movie of that particular week. And, yeah. You know. Well, and my mom was very young, so I'll give her that. But but my brother-in-law, he didn't even see, like, Bambi until he was 18 or something like that. Like, he, wow. his, he, he grew up. I would love to have him as a guest yeah. on our show. He really grew up in a conservative, conservative household. And to hear him talk about um, some of his experiences growing up, it's like, and then, and then my sister and I. Move a little closer so that our video people can see your oh, beautiful okay. face. My, okay, keep going. My <laughs> sister and I were like looking at him like, damn, we had nothing like that. I mean, talk about... Total opposite upbringings, my sister and her husband, who have been married now for many years, and they're wonderful. Yeah. So. That's crazy. Yeah. But. You know, I'm, I, like you, I have so, I'm so angry about some of the lies that I was told. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and, and I'm also angry. I'm, now you can't go back. No, you You can't. You can't go back and you can't change things. And so we do have to, hopefully, um, encourage others through our story. I mean, that is that is why we're here. That is why we're is here. Is we really... And, you know, I had a friend ask me, I said, what's the difference between what you're doing and just 
and, you know, vomiting your past all over everybody. I mean, what's, you know, what's the purpose of it? And I said, to, to help others who might be experiencing the same thing or to help others keep from having to go through the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, we have definitely learned lessons through our journey. Definitely. And that is what we want to share. Now, do I expect that other people are not going to make the same mistakes? Of course not. We're humans. Right. But I would like people to know that we are here and that we're a safe place for yeah. you to come to. Yeah. But one of the things that I'm so angry about is just the fact that I believed that I was safe when in reality I wasn't safe. Right. And that is just so, it's just so hard. And, you know, I, like I, I've been, I was married and when you get married, you just, you believe that this is forever and it doesn't matter how long I knew the guy for six weeks. So I maybe should have known better, but uh, you know, you, you do go in with all the hopes yep. for a, a good life. And then when you're being, you know, pinned up against the wall and being held by the throat, then you're like, huh, I I guess I I made a mistake here, <laughs> right? And this is but God safe. hates God hates divorce, and so the minute you get divorced, then now you've got this big D on your head, and now you're you're marked, and now you're you can't be on staff because you're divorced, and you can't exactly. blah 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 because you've been divorced exactly. And you know, and I just kind of accepted that there would be things that I wouldn't be allowed to do because I'd been divorced. Mm -hmm. And I had a pastor tell me I had been divorced and I worked for the theater. I was a double, it was a double whammy. You're and a, so yeah. I could, I could volunteer, but I could never be paid by the church for hours that for being the director of drama ministries, I never got a paycheck ever even once wow. because I was a woman I was divorced and I worked for the theater. I mean, I was a triple threat. <laughs> and you not were, in a good you way. Were. You know, I was a triple threat. But um but when my husband and I now, who is not the husband who pinned me up against the wall, he's we've been married 35 years this summer. Wow. And when we went to um, premarital counseling, we were attending a church here in town and we went to premarital counseling and we wanted very much to really be on a much better foot sure. footing than I was in my first marriage. Right. And he was a Christian. He was from a very good Christian family who has very deep roots in this town. Mm -hmm. And so I was very um, uh, excited about starting things right sure. this time sure. instead of being impulsive like mm -hmm. I was the first time. So we went to premarital counseling and 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 we went to this church. And so the premarital counseling was fine. It was, you know, there was lots of questionnaires and there was lots of yeah. whatever. It was fine. But there was also a sermon series that was happening during the same time we were in premarital counseling. And this sermon series was about divorce. Mm. And... Every week, the pastor would say, now, don't make any judgments until, you know, I, you, we get to the end. Don't judge until we get to the end. And I kept, as we're going through, I just kept thinking, gosh, he seems really, really down on divorce, and I'm feeling more and more picked on. Um, but he just kept saying, 
don't just wait till the end. Just wait till the end. Okay. So he had people come up on the stage who shared their mournful stories of the pain that their divorce had caused them and their kids. Mm-hmm. Acceptable. I mean, of course, divorce can be extremely painful for people. And I just thought, well, were you pinned up against a wall? Were you abused by your, were you threatened to to be forced into a miscarriage? Did you call in the middle of the night a a phone number you found in your husband's wallet and hear his girlfriend's voice? I mean, did any of those things happen to you? Because I'm thinking you would have a different opinion of divorce. Right. But I'm just like, we're just going to keep going through it, right? So we get to the end of the sermon series, which was probably about six weeks, and the pastor said in his very final sermon, if you are divorced, you have been called to be single for the remainder of your life. It, unless you remarry your first spouse. If you are remarried already and you've been divorced, you must never get divorced because this is this is it, right? So so this is so you stay married. But if you are still single and you've been divorced, the only person you can get married to is your former spouse. Otherwise you are committing adultery. Wow. So here's my husband and I, who are at that point, you know, my fiance, he's my fiance. We're about a month from getting married. Is this the same? person who's giving you guys no this is not the same one who's giving us um, premarital counseling that's is the the assist associate pastor so we're sitting there and i just look at my then fiance he looks at me and um when we got out to the car he said we're not coming back and i said thank you thank you we're not coming back so we didn't so we Went to the we we then began attending the church where his entire family was. In fact, they had been, you know, founders of the church. They had been there from the beginning. Okay. And I was actually really excited about that because one of the things I wanted to do was to raise my children in the same church where their grandparents went and their mm-hmm. uncles and yeah, aunts. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I loved that idea. So we went to that church, even though my husband had left that church, not for any bad reasons, but because he wanted to be separated from sure. his family. He wanted to do his own thing. Sure. And the church at which he was doing his own thing, he felt very betrayed by. So we went back to his old family church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a few years it was okay. But as soon as it became obvious that my son, our oldest son, had some um, impulse issues and and some struggles, um, we should have left then. And when I look back and think, gosh, you know, when I went and he was four years old and I went to pick him up and the Sunday school teacher said, your son was very bad today. Tell your mommy how bad you are. Wow. I should have left then. Mm-hmm. I mean, we should have left then. Right. And, and I look back and I'm like, why didn't, why didn't I put him first? Instead, I said, you know what? This is a church and, and these people are human and they're looking at this through a God perspective. So I'm just going to keep submitting, putting my child in a situation where they don't like him because this is godly. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, what what was I thinking? Yeah. Why didn't I have the courage yeah. to oh. take my family at that moment and right. leave? I, you know, I was having a conversation with um, our friend Paul, mm-hmm. and we were kind of talking about this because that's kind of what his, you know, mission these days is, is to kind of 
expose some of some of these ideas that are so I'll say ancient and dangerous and dangerous mm-hmm. and to kind of expose them for what they are and and then you know expose and bring to light the truth of some of these things and we were having this conversation about how many things in church now he was a pastor right and how many things that you would hear through a sermon or, you know, a book that you were reading in a Bible study or a some such thing mm-hmm. that you would disagree with or have a question in your mind like, huh, that doesn't seem right. But you would just kind of ignore it because that's what that must be the truth, because that's what the culture says. That's what that's what the men who made this this religion said Right. Right. And, you know, and, and, and they must be they have a, they have a direct line to yeah, God. So, so, so they, they must they yeah. must know, you know, that, you know, and it's like, you know, he he said, you know, Debbie, just remember that Jesus didn't come to create Christianity. <laughs> right. I mean, we've created this this thing called Christianity yeah. that means these things. And within that, like I said, there were so many things that I would listen to and I would think, that doesn't sit right with me, right. but I would just ignore it, you yeah. know, yeah, be- yeah, yeah. because right. because if I question it, then I'm going to be in trouble. You know, I, I'm in, I remember and I can't remember what the scripture was, but I went to a church. This wasn't even that long ago. And I went as a guest and there's something was going on over there. And it's a church that I used to go to a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And this pastor said something and it bugged me. Yeah. So I called him on it. Ooh. I wrote a little note yeah, and I yeah. said, you know, will you get this? Because it bugged me. Right. Years ago, I would have never done that. Right. And and the pastor actually came and he, you know, gave me his explanation and, you know, okay. But I, there were just things that I would hear and I... I, I, I had I spent a couple hours with my daughter on Mother's Day. I'm going to say this, and I have no recollection of this, but I was sharing these thoughts with her about, you know, I wish, I just wish I was more where I am now when, when I was raising you guys because I would just would have done things different. And she kind of stopped me, and she said, you know, Mom, I loved being raised at our church and being a part of that. And yeah. my, she said, I... I really loved that. And she said, and then she said, you just need to know that you, you would, you told me things you pulled. And I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, I remember a time when you pulled me aside and you said, and maybe it's because that day I had heard it at church. Right. Right. And I, she said that I pulled her aside and I, she, I said, well, how old were you? Maybe 10, 11, something like that. She said that I said, Carter. If you hear a pastor or anyone up on the stage ever saying anything bad about gay people, I just want you to know that it's a lie. Wow. She said that I said that to her. Wow. So those things were bugging me. Even then. Even then. 
to the point where I would say something to my kids. Right. You know? Good for you. But I don't remember it. <laughs> right. Well, I was so, you know, you'd, you'd hear these sermons about forgiveness, and you'd hear these sermons about grace, and you'd hear these sermons about people who were 95 and had lived a horrid life, and mm-hmm. then on their deathbed they accepted Christ, and right. they were saved, and, right. you know, just on and on. So you always hear these stories of forgiveness and and how we need to forgive, and we need to forgive 70 times times seven times right and we need to do this and we need to do that and the emphasis is always on the people who have been abused or mistreated to forgive right as opposed to the abusers and the mistreaters who are just you know they're they're just not at the same place you are so you just need to give them grace and forgive them instead of you know, raising right. uh, raising up a safe environment at your church, right? Right. So when so so we always hear these sermons, and yet when my son, who was difficult, was fourteen years old, that junior high pastor called me in and said, "I have given him chance after chance, and all he does is bite me in the butt." You guys need to leave this church. So now we're leaving, and I just thought, well, this is. You know, I they this is how they need to do things, and God has a reason, and we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm just gonna just accept this because this man who God has put an authority over me has decided that this is okay, right? Right. And that the long term effect of having to leave the church where all of my children's family attended, Mm -hmm. their aunts and their uncles and their Mm -hmm. grandparents and their cousins, and they were all there, and they were all good enough to be there, but we weren't good enough to be there. And then the fact that I worked for the theater just complicated it even more and and left me. That's a double whammy for you. It was a double whammy. I'm sorry, it's so hot. It is. It's warm in here. It's warm in here, people. Sorry. It's okay. (laughs) And so I'm just getting a little facial. Um, And so, um, but then I went back. Now, talk about... Talk about going back to your abuser, you know, and, and well, I, you I've probably... talked a little bit about this before, but when I went back, because I missed them, right? there was a new pastor that, you know, I just, I was like, I want to go, I want to go back. I want to see some of the people that I used to love. I want to see what this new pastor is doing. I want to see. And almost immediately I was accused of returning for the purpose of putting a hit out on a woman who was on staff there. But worse than that, worse than being accused of putting a hit out on someone. Wow. Which is still like the most insane thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, yeah. But I, mean, I can't even. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so, so worse than that was sitting in the congregation on the day that that pastor who kicked my son out of church retired. And stood up there and said, I never gave up on a child. Even children whose parents had given up on them, I never gave up. And I wanted so badly to stand up and march up onto that stage. And say, um. And say, or even just raise my hand and say, you remember that conversation where you said, you know, I've given him chance after chance and you need to leave? That's giving up. And my child wasn't the only one that he did that to. And my family wasn't the only one to leave that church because of this pastor. And so (sighs) that is what, you know, so talk about regrets. 
I regret going back there mm-hmm. because I could have just, it could have all been in the past. And, but no, I had to go back and see for myself whether it was right. different well, and find that it not only wasn't it different, but it was, it was worse than ever. Do you ever wonder, I mean, I know for myself, I, I wonder like why I got kind of drawn into that whole thing anyway. And I mean, when I was 19, I really did have, I'll say, an, a spiritual encounter and a, and a, and a mm-hmm. spiritual awakening when I was 19. And, and that has stuck with me and it, it has grown and shifted and stuff. Right. I, I wonder, had I, you know, had a different kind of a, of a encounter, because I know that I've always been a spiritually seeking person had I had a different kind of encounter, you know, obviously my life would have gone in a different direction. But I wonder, too, like, had I gotten involved in a different kind of church or a more liberal church instead of a very, very, you know, kind conservative of con- conservative evangelical, evangelical yeah. American church. evangelical yeah. Christian church. If I would have gotten involved with the with the Methodists, you know, or the <laughs> Presbyterians. The Pres- or the, yeah, or the, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean and, and I say that jokingly, but I say that sincerely because... Because really, there's a lot of there's a lot more acceptance and tolerance in some of those other denominations, which the conservative consider, you know, satanic practically. Right. You know, right. I mean, I've heard that. Oh, you can't go to the Methodist church because they're, you know, they're they let gays go there and that kind of stuff. And it's right. like all that stuff just it, it just is under my skin right now. It it really really bothers me, and I. I do want to tell a story of an experience I had, which was the opposite of that with a pastor. Mm-hmm. When after I had gotten divorced um, and I was, you know, trying to figure out my life mm-hmm. um, and I and I would I would go back to the, the church that I had been to and I would I would go up the back steps. There, there was a little balcony area where just the sound man was up there. Yeah. And maybe a few stragglers yeah. would go up and sit in the balcony. Yeah. So I was a straggler. I'd go up there and, and just listen to the music and usually just cry. Right. I just would, right. you know, and then I would I would sneak in right as the music was starting so I didn't have to say anything. And then I would leave before the service got so I didn't have yeah. to talk to anybody. I did the same thing. I just didn't <laughs> want to deal thing. with anybody. Yeah. And, but I got... Um, wind of a of a job opening. Someone said, "Hey, this little Lutheran church, which I've had, I had no experience. Um, I just knew that they were called the Frozen Chosen because <laughs> it's a very quiet denomination." <laughs> so, I've never heard that about the Lutherans. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. what they're called. <laughs> yeah, so that's awesome. So I got, you know, I heard that they were looking for a choir director, and so. I decided, and my name was given, so I decided to to go, you know, and and I'll say audition or whatever, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't really an audition. So I sat down with the pastor, and I first thing I said to him was, you know, I mean, a I've never directed a choir of adults; I've only done t- teens and kids. Yeah. But also, you need to know that I'm in the middle of a divorce, and that'll probably just x me out of anything right now. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. And um, he said to me. He said, well, Debbie, I am aware of three people who are in my personal circle right now who are all getting divorced. And he says, I just, I have no judgment on them. It's really none of my business. And honestly, I'm in support of all three of them. 
gosh. And he goes, so let's talk about music. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And so that's the first thing that he did that can make me cry. Yeah. Because he just totally... Just accepted you right where you were. totally accepted me right where I was. Even though you'd been told for 20 years that a divorce was one of the worst things you could yeah. possibly do. Yeah. And so he just loved on me. Yeah. And, and I worked there for almost 10 years. And... Um, I had just, I had a lovely experience working at that little church. Yeah. Uh, it was small enough that there wasn't a lot of BS. Right. There was a little bit, but it wasn't, you know, but it was so, it was so different than any other church experience I had had because I had come from big churches with big programs and big screens and Build Pow- it and they will and come. PowerPoint, <laughs> you know, presentations yeah. and three-point sermons and blah, 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 blah. And this was like there were wooden pews and and they were squeaky and it was cold in there or hot in there. And there were old ladies that were pissed off if we weren't wearing the robes <laughs> and the choir robes. and exactly, <laughs> you, you know, yeah. it was just... It felt like Mayberry, yeah. you, you know, yeah. and it. I just, I, I used to call it the cute little church in the hood because it was not <laughs> in a great part of town. Right. But I learned more about grace from that pastor, and he to to this day, as I consider him and his wife my true friends, Aww. because they just they're just lovely, you know, and they have had a hard time with what's going on in the church and in the political arena and just seeing our society just, I don't know, seems like it's gone insane in some respects. But, I mean, I've sat down with him having a beer. (gasps) I'm having a beer with my pastor? Oh, my God. And we've had these beautiful talks about just this kind of stuff, you know, about struggling with, Christian ideology and what it really means and how to how to discern it and dissect it for ourselves and is there something bigger and is is there more and oh. are other faith traditions acceptable right. all these questions you know and well, so much of our faith traditions uh, all over the world really are are based on where you're born, mm-hmm. you know, where you're born. Mm-hmm. So if you're born in the Middle East, you might be Muslim. If you're born in the East, you might right. be Buddhist. If you're born in America, you're a Christian. And yet in America, we are told that the only way to heaven, the only way to God is through Christianity, right. you know, and the Bible says, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth and the light. But for everybody, for, though, is what it says. Right. I mean, if you really read it, I mean, that's what we were taught. Right. We were taught. Is that he's the only way. That he's the only way. But if you really read other stuff. What he's really saying is we're, I'm here for everybody. For everybody. Yeah. That means everybody. Yeah. That doesn't just mean the people who have said the sinner's prayer. Right. That means everybody. Now. Here and now. Right. I really believe that. When I, uh, when my, I. When my child was in jail for a 
small amount of time. Um, I remember sending an email out to my family and saying, these are the prayer requests that my child has. Mm -hmm. So if you would just, you know, lift these up and, and pray for these things. And I got a response from a cousin of mine that said, God doesn't hear him while he's in jail. God oh doesn't hear him. Goodness. And yet God heard Paul. And Paul, you know, the apostle Paul wrote scripture from jail. So did Martin Luther King. Yeah. <laughs> the letter from Birmingham jail right. has has completely transformed the way some... Do I know that, cousin? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... You know, I do. the influences of that cousin. <laughs> I do. But, you know, it's that's just something. And, you know, she apologized to him at some point. But he was like, what are you talking about? Why? You know, because I didn't tell him that she said that to me. And so she did apologize to him. But she has only recently apologized yeah, to me. There's... And, you know, and so these are these are the kinds of things that we get stuck in our head yes. and we think we need to just share them. Well, your son is gay. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, you just need to accept that he's, you know, going to hell. So when I was having a challenge with my son when he was, you know, a, an older teenager, I, I had a person from this horrible church that I thought I could go back to say, well, you know, just remember that I've known him since he was born and he made his decision a long time ago and you need to accept that this is his decision and it's over. There's no hope for him. You know, and it's like, okay, so every mistake we ever make, that's it. That's it. That's where we are. We are, uh, you know, our entire life is built around the worst day of our life, the worst mistake of our life. That is not the way, first of all, I don't believe that that's the way God sees us, but I don't believe that we as humans Mm -hmm. should be defined by the worst day of our life. Right. You know, I I heard um, a couple really, really good descriptions of of the difference between um, religion and spirituality. And one of them is religion is for people who are trying to avoid hell spirituality is for people who have already been there. <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh-huh. I really do love uh-huh. that. Let's see. The other one was something like religion is for people who are trying to avoid hell. Um, or, yeah. Re- no. Religion is for people who are trying to... Oh, I'm, I'm going to get it wrong, so I'm not going to say it. But, but I it love was, the first but one. It, it was a quote by yeah. a man named Joe Weston. Okay. Who is a... Um, a spiritual teacher on the East Coast that I, I listened to a podcast and it was powerful. And he had just this beautiful description between the difference between religion and spirituality that I, I wrote down. But then another friend of mine told me the one I just said. That's great. Spirituality is for people who have been there. Yeah. You know, and it's like. You know, I think it's human nature to look back over your life and certainly have regrets mm-hmm. um, and also have a, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda kind right. of attitude about life. And so many people tell you that, you know, just let that go and forgive and do this and do that. But, you know, I absolutely believe that every piece of junk that I've collected, like a little, you know, sock mm-hmm. that's in a dryer yeah. that just collects all this <laughs> crap. Um, I feel like every bit of crap that I've that I've collected as I've been tumbled around. I love that. That's a great, um, that's a great picture. <laughs> you can totally see it. I can it. totally see you know, it. I need a dryer sheet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, every little piece of crap that I carry around with me is not because of a lack of forgiveness. It's It has molded me and made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I celebrate who I am today. I celebrate those skeletons. I celebrate the mistakes I made. I celebrate the times when I said things to my children I shouldn't have said, not because I I think that it was the right thing to do, yeah, but because I I know better, and when you know better, you, you lear- do yeah, better. Yeah, you learn something, and I so learned you- something from that, and you know, and to to have the grace and love of my children, um, and and to have them give that to me, right. Talk yeah. about crying, yeah, because I don't have anybody else in my life that gives me. That has given me that kind of grace. Right. My children have given me more grace than my family or my, or certainly any Christian, diehard Christian that I know. Right. You know, even though they preach it from the ser- from the stage, they're, they haven't been good in my experience at giving it. Right. So the fact that I have raised children who readily give grace to me yeah. and to their friends mm-hmm. is a beautiful, beautiful well, so thing. You, so you did teach them something. I did. I, I, I did. <laughs> you I did. did. And, and you did too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, it, I, I, I understand how all of those, all the past kind of gets into your skin. It and does. you're like, why did I believe that? But you are where you are today. Yep. Because yep. you went through life without a dryer sheet for a long time, <laughs> and you collected a lot of crap. Yep, I did. I did. And I love that. That's the title of a book. <laughs> <laughs> Going through life without a dryer sheet. Yeah. Um, because it's yeah. it's molded us and yeah, made it us. Has. And when I was in yoga this morning, I was at the end. They do a, a practice, and it's called shavasana, and you just kind of lay there, and it's like a meditation, and and that's when the tears. Yeah, started coming for me today, and and I, you know, I'm I'm kind of this this thing of feeling like I missed my life because I missed me. I miss getting to know me somehow because you were too busy trying to be what other people thought yeah. you should be. Yeah, yes. and 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 so then you know, and I have I have my own practice of breathing in something good and breathing out something bad. So like breathing in. Um, today is today and breathing out that was then, you know, as I'm, as I'm doing that to just kind of it's beautiful. get, just get rid of, I mean, I can only have, I only have today. So I'm breathing in today. I'm thankful that I'm where I am now and I'm just letting those regrets or whatever go. Cause I can't, I can't change them, but I can just do my best to be, be present now Right. is what I'm trying to do. And I think what you're trying to do and what we're trying to create an environment for you to do if you're listening or watching right. to to know that things can be different. To feel safe. And listen, I celebrate with you where you are with your children. And when I see when I see pictures on Facebook of families who are celebrating the baptisms and stuff of their children, I celebrate that because I remember Me what too. that was like. Me too. You know, when my children were in that place. And so I celebrate that you get to do that with your children. Mm-hmm. I also celebrate that if they 
rebel, mm-hmm. that you are there for them. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm going to celebrate ahead of time that you're going to be there for them. Yeah. You know, yeah. and um, I have been so grateful to have walked down a, a path where I have met other parents who have been imperfect yeah. and have raised imperfect children. And oh. that has been a beautiful experience for me that I might not have experienced had I been safely in my bubble. Yeah, that's true. You that know? is very true. Yeah. Well, this has been a, this has been, there's so many more things we could talk about here. Yeah. This is a, just a really big topic. So, um, yeah. we will continue on. <laughs> yeah. And remember we're sponsored by the Fresno music and art Fresno, Fresno music Academy and arts. <laughs> She has to say it. I know. Well, and it's yeah. yeah. And so we're sponsored by that. And if you if you want voice lessons or music lessons, mm-hmm. um, you know, come and and be a part. Yeah. And give us a call. We'll put it on the on the website and stuff. How you can get in touch with us. Yes. But um, we would love for you to come be a part of that. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a great little little space over here. And we're so grateful that yeah. um, it's here and that we get to be a part of this this and I can't wait to see the choir next week Yay. and um, we're, we're getting back to normal. Yeah. Debbie, thank you for yeah. chit-chatting with yeah, me and for being a, there for me. It's been a great day. Mwah. Yeah. Love you. Love you.